0: You are listening to the African Campfire Stories podcast. The African Campfire Stories podcast is a podcast program that is dedicated to the telling of African history stories and events. Welcome. New African history, we have to go through a lot of information, including names of places and names of people. Should you pick up anything that we get wrong, or if you just need to reach us, please use our website www.africancampfirestories.com. You can also reach us on our social media pages, on Twitter, African Campfire Stories, on Facebook, African Campfire Stories, and on Instagram, African Campfire Stories. To create this podcast, we use sources from historians, academics, and other writers. Thank you very much to all the men and women who write about African history. Before you listen to today's episode, we would like to suggest that you go through the previous episodes of the series. That is, starting from episode 2 and going all the way to episode 6. Our Cold War Porns story is presented in the form of a series made up of many episodes beginning from episode 2. Without much further ado, this is episode 7 Cold War Pawns The Fight for China. Last time, we presented you with our first special episode. Today, we are, however, going back to our Cold War Pawns series. In the previous episodes, we saw cracks starting to appear in the relationship between the United Soviet Socialist Republics and the United States of America. These two, The USSR and the USA had never had a great relationship to begin with. They had been forcefully brought together by Adolf Hitler's aggression. Aggression that had led to the Second World War. In the European continent, the Second World War can be seen as follows. On the West European front, Germany and Italy were facing the so-called Western powers. The Western powers were Britain, her empire and her commonwealth, and then America. They were supported by whatever remained of French forces, Polish forces, and an assortment of other allies. On the East European front, the USSR was facing Germany and Germany's allies. Those allies included Italy, Romania, and Hungary. But this was a world war. There was also major fighting in Asia and the Pacific. Towards the end of the last episode, we formally introduced China onto the Cold War equation for the first time. Let us now proceed to discuss China. The Second World War ended in 1945, with the USA exploding two nuclear bombs on Japan. In 1949, soon after the USSR exploded its first nuclear bomb, China would be taken over by the Communist Party of China led by the formidable Mao Zedong. This was seen in the USA as a great disadvantage in the Cold War. The Maoist forces had taken China in the Chinese Civil War. The Chinese Civil War had been fought between the Communist Party of China led by Mao Zedong and the Chinese National Party also known as the Kuomintang led by Chiang Kai-shek. This being the Cold War era, It would be easier to tell you that the USA supported the nationalists and the USSR supported the communists. Unfortunately, history is never that simple. The USA had supported both sides of the Chinese Civil War, that is the nationalists and the communists, during China's war with Japan during World War II. At that time, the USA was interested in keeping Japan out of China. It didn't matter for them who in China would do it. At this point, it is appropriate to provide a little background on the China versus Japan conflict of World War II. Japan had been at war with China way before the Second World War began. In 1931, Japan had found an excuse to attack China. This attack caused chaos in China, as the communists and nationalists had already been engaged in civil war since 1927. There are three main dates that historians debate over as the beginning of World War II. Those dates are 1931, 1937, and 1939. Some historians state that the beginning of the Second World War was in 1931 when the Japanese attacked China for the first time at the Chinese province of Manchuria. We have also discussed the Second World War in Western Europe between Hitler's Germany and the Western powers. That war began in September 1939. Italy joined not long after that on the side of Germany. As for 1937, well, 1937 is important because while there had been fighting between China and Japan since 1931, in 1937 things went up a notch. We will not go into a detailed discussion on the war between China and Japan so we will provide the background that is appropriate for our Cold War story. The fight that broke out in 1931 between China and Japan according to some historians and some Japanese commentators after the war seems to have been spearheaded by rogue elements within the Japanese army, meaning that the fighting that broke out in 1931 wasn't the official policy of the central government back in Japan. The fighting that began in 1937, however, seems to have had the support of the government. If only because the Japanese military had been able to infiltrate the government by that time, to such an extent that the military policy was now government policy. Japanese attacks in China meant that the civil war that was already underway in China became more confused and chaotic. For the USA, as we've already mentioned, their purpose was to get Japan out of China. Of course, the Americans would have liked to arm and support only the nationalists. But many times it looked like the communists were doing a better job at beating the Japanese. And the communists looked like they were more serious about defeating Japan. Things also became even more complicated when the Communists and the Nationalists reached a truce, a truce that was supposed to formulate an anti-Japan coalition between the Communists and the Nationalists. But both of the Chinese forces kept a separate identity. And as such, once the Japanese were kicked out of China, the Communists and Nationalists would be on each other's throats again. Just like clockwork, when Japan surrendered to the Americans in September 1945, the communists and nationalists went back to civil war. We cannot stress enough that for the USA, the Chinese Civil War was complex. The USA wanted to support the nationalists, but they also didn't want to support any side that was going to lose. As the civil war went on, it became clear that nationalists were weak. Stalin was also rationing the help that he was providing to Mao Zedong and the communists. Stalin, as was always the case with him, was conducting a sly international policy. He of course didn't want the nationalists to win China. But he also didn't want the communists to win quickly. Stalin wanted to drag out the war in China for his own purposes, including the fact that keeping China in a state of war meant that Americans would not be able to focus only on Germany and Berlin. As long as the Chinese Civil War went on, the focus of the USA would be spread out between Europe and Asia. When China went communist in 1949, this was too hard for some in the US power structures to bear. They felt they were losing the capitalist versus communist war of world domination. When China fell to the communists, the USA kept on supporting the Chinese nationalists led by Chiang Kai-shek. The latter and his supporters escaped to the island of Taiwan, where they remain to this day. This then meant that, depending on who you ask, there were now two Chinas. The mainland of China was called the People's Republic of China, and Taiwan was called the Republic of China. Of course, the USSR recognized the People's Republic of China, while the USA recognized the Republic of China. Though they were both communist, the relationship between the USSR and China wasn't an easy one. Their relationship would eventually become even more complicated when communist China, the People's Republic of China under Mao Zedong, began formal diplomatic relations with the USA under President Richard Nixon in 1972. After Germany surrendered in 1945, thus ending the Second World War in Europe, the USSR attacked the Japanese forces located in the parts of China that Japan had taken from China during Japan's invasion of China. This attack on Japan by the USSR wasn't because Stalin was being simply helpful to China. No. The USA had requested again and again during the war at the Tehran conference and at the Yalta conference that the USSR should enter the war against Japan. At that point of the war, the USA was largely fighting Japan alone. This was before the USA had a nuclear bomb and the USA was concerned that they would have to attack the main Japanese home islands before Japan would surrender. This attack on the Japanese home islands was projected to be difficult and bloody, so it would help the USA if the USSR would attack the Japanese military from the west while the USA was attacking from the east. But because the USSR was too preoccupied with Germany, Stalin had promised that he would only attack Japan as soon as Hitler surrendered. However, Stalin laid down conditions for attacking Japan. There was always a catch with Stalin. The USSR would have to be given some territory, including territory that had originally belonged to China before Japan took it. So by the time that the Communist Party of China took control of mainland China, they found that fellow communists, the USSR, were in control of some of their territory. USSR ownership of this Chinese territory was one of the reasons the post-war relationship between communist China and the USSR did not begin on a good footing. Not that Chinese and USSR relations were great before the war. Pre-Communist China had in 1918 been part of the international anti-USSR intervention that took place after the USSR state was first formulated. Remember from our earlier episodes, especially episode 4, that the USA and Britain had also been part of this intervention. In 1920, USSR troops helped Mongolian guerrillas to occupy Outer Mongolia. This territory became the Mongolian People's Republic by 1924. By the way, by now you must have noticed that if a country has the word peoples in its name, it is very likely to be a communist country. And it is also very likely that the people have nothing to do with electing the government of that country. I guess this was supposed to make the people forget that they were actually not electing most of these so-called people's regimes. In 1921, the USSR started supporting the Chinese Nationalist Party. But wait a minute, what? Yes, you heard correctly. Communist USSR supported the Chinese Nationalists who were fighting against the Communist Chinese and soon after that, the USSR instructed the Chinese Communist Party to sign a treaty with the Chinese Nationalists. So much for communist brotherhood. It seemed that opportunism and real politic counted more than some theoretical connection based on a common ideology. This cozy relationship between the USSR and the Chinese Nationalists abruptly stopped only when Chiang Kai-shek kicked out the USSR advisers in 1926. Only now did Stalin allow the Chinese communists to begin a civil war with the nationalists. As you can see, Stalin was a naked opportunist when it came to China. Communist solidarity be damned. So, the relationship between the USSR and China was going to be difficult. Stalin made things worse by mistreating Mao Zedong when the latter visited the USSR in December 1949. In fact, Mao would never forget this treatment. After Stalin died, Mao became more and more out of sync with the USSR. But for now, Stalin was alive, and Stalin was a giant in the communist world. He had to be deferred to. Mao was forced to accept shoddy treatment from Stalin because China was in dire need for help. Those in the U.S. establishment who wanted to undercut the communist bond between China and the USSR by providing help to China could not carry the day. The anti-Mao lobby was too strong in Washington. Though Mao was keeping alive the attempts of getting help for his country from the USA, some historians believe that this was only to put pressure on Stalin. To make Stalin realize that he, Mao, had other alternatives for obtaining the aid that China so desperately needed after World War II. But, at the end of the day, Mao was a staunch communist of the old school. He truly believed in an international communist brotherhood. Mao detested the West. He held the West responsible for what he perceived as the previous century of Chinese humiliation At the hands of capitalist countries. This is all the time we have for today. We have reached the end of today's episode of the African Campfire Stories podcast. Catch us on the next episode as we look at the issue of Germany and Berlin. This issue is one of the key drivers of the Cold War. Germany is split into two by the USA and its allies and the USSR. Berlin is split into East and West. Stalin blockades Berlin, blocking US and British and French access to the city. We also look at the Korean War, the very first ever case of the Cold War turning into a hot war. It starts as a civil war and ends up including China and America. Mao Zedong's armies attack American-led forces and hurts them real bad. Stay tuned. See you next time.